Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come and join us at 10am every Sunday. Let's pray for you, let's pray for you. Lord, thank you, Lord, that, um, thank you for what you have put into Peter's heart, Lord. We pray that you will fill him with your love, fill him with your joy, and he will hear your voice, Lord, speaking to us, I pray. Excellent. And I see we've even started to get some pictures up. Can somebody take off the front row of lights, otherwise no one will see it. And that'd be really helpful. Oh, there you go. Um, So, um, if you were here last week, then uh, you heard Keith speak. And... um, in the margin of my Bible, I wrote down what he said, and um, and so um, he talked about having your comfort zone stretched, potentially ending up in panic, um, but that actually when you're in the stretch zone that God uh, helps you grow. And um, I wrote it in the margin of a page in my Bible thinking, he's definitely going to be speaking from this passage, and he never got to the passage. And um, it was in 1 Corinthians 9, and uh, it says in that bit, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? There's a load of echo on this. Um, But only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not shadow boxing. I discipline my body, you can tell, like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And I'd written it next to that passage, expecting that he was going to speak from it. And um, he did speak from it, but he never mentioned it. And so um, I want to start where Keith finished last week, because I believe the uh, word that God had already laid on my heart kind of follows straight on. Keith asked some questions. He said, what are you living for? He said, are you prepared to take risks for God? That's where he, he kind of finished up. And so I want to ask you all a question as we start this morning. Why are you here? No one's got any response. No one knows why they bothered coming this morning. Why, why are you here? To worship God? Get closer to God? Build one another up? Here's some amazing teaching, you'll be hoping. Um, Okay, so that's why you've all come uh, this morning. Now I'm going to ask you another question. And um, so without referring to Tinternet, um, what is our church's mission statement? So Rivers Flow and Barren Heights, that was kind of the verse where the church started. Okay. Something like that. Okay. So our mission statement is going to come up on the screen now. 
So to build a church from which we will have multi-site congregations across the Peak District. And, um, and then there's a purpose statement that follows on, which I think is the bit that you were probably speaking from, Sarah. Uh, it says, we exist to worship God, encounter his presence, that's what we've been doing this morning, committed to advancing his kingdom through local church communities, caught up in mission from here and to the nations. And I've been really challenged about that in the last few weeks, that um, we've got these, this mission, we've got a purpose that we are going for as a church. And um, the big question is, where is our vision? What are we actually looking for? It says in Proverbs 29, uh, if you read the King James Version, it says, where there is a lack of vision, the people perish. And actually, the word perish um, is naked. So it literally means where there's a lack of vision, you get stripped bare. You become naked. And actually, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a direction, you end up literally naked, embarrassed. Everything's revealed. And that's where we end up if we don't have a focus of where we are going. So I want to ask you, another question this morning, and you don't have to speak this out. What are you doing to see our mission fulfilled? We're all part of the church. If you're visiting, please forgive me. But um, if you're part of the church, what are you doing to see our mission fulfilled? When I ask myself that question... It hurt. And that was where I started in, uh, in my prep for this morning. And I want to look in um, a few passages um, from the Bible where Jesus talks about the Lord of the harvest. So the first one's from Matthew 9. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now, I don't know how you feel when you read um, a passage like that, when you, when you hear that. My feeling, my, my initial response is, well, so that's somebody else's job, right? Jesus is saying, well, well, get some workers and send them out. So that's somebody else's job to go and reap the harvest. It's not my job at all. Because I do other stuff. But there's people who, who, you know, like evangelisty type people, and, and, and they go and reap harvests. It's not my job. That's, that's my gut reaction to what Jesus says there. And, um, you know, I do other stuff, so, so therefore as a body, we, we get it all sorted. Is that not right? You know, we work together as the body of the people of God to see his mission uh, fulfilled. In Luke... Luke um, just describes the um, same thing um, slightly differently. So I just want to read it from Luke as well. 
The Lord now chose 72 other disciples, and he sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go, and remember that I am sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. So Luke records kind of a bit more practical aspect of what Jesus said there about sending out the workers to um, bring in the harvest. And the first thing to notice is that bit at the end, don't greet anyone on the road. There's an urgency to this. It's not something for like next week or next month or maybe let's do a bit of planning. Let's have some meetings. We'll have some focus groups and uh, we'll work everything out. We'll, We'll get some pretty stuff printed and then we'll go out. No, Jesus says, don't even stop to talk to anyone. Just get, just get out there. This is really important. I'm sending you now. Go, 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 go. That's the first thing that I noted. The second thing I noted is that God will provide. Um, I loved it last week. Uh, Marion stood at the front and said, just, just be careful with the food. Don't think there's going to be quite enough. And uh, at the end, um, it wasn't quite in those words, <laughs> and, uh, but you were saying, I'm not sure whether there'll be enough food. And at the end, we had 12 baskets of food left over, which I felt was really biblical. I, I said, there must be 12 to Marion. So we counted them. It was like, oh yeah, there's 12. Oh, it's God trying to say something. And um, the thing is, God says, I will provide for all of your needs. You don't have to worry as I'm sending you out, because I'm going to provide for everything you need. He says, don't take any extra money, don't take an extra bag, don't take extra sandals, just go. And the third thing to note is the thing that he says at the beginning. It's kind of dangerous. Getting out there, going on mission with me is kind of dangerous. There's going to be wolves. I've never had an encounter with a wolf. I'm quite happy about that. I struggle with dogs. I think wolves would, um, would, would make me struggle. But it says not only are you going like a wolf, you're going like a lamb to the wolf. And I think as me, I, I could probably fight off a wolf a bit. You know, I could give it a good kicking and, and maybe run away a bit. But actually, if I was a lamb, I think I would struggle. And Jesus says it's going to feel like You're a lamb in amongst the wolves. This is going to be tricky. Another bit in Matthew, Matthew 10, Jesus calls his 12 disciples together and he gives them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every disease and illness. We've got stuff to take. As we get out there into the world, as we go on mission, Jesus doesn't just send us with some words. He says, go and do the stuff that I've been doing. Go and see radical transformation in people's lives. That's my task for you. So what might we encounter as we go out into 
that harvest field. I think we're going to encounter all kinds of things. Now, I just want to ask you, when was the last time you wrote a complaint letter? I've been on a roll the last few weeks. I've written to the CEO of Barclays, who personally responded to me and said, yes, we've been really rubbish. I've written to the the CEO of Tesco Mobile, and um, they actually fixed the problem that I'd pointed out to them, and apparently it solved thousands of people's problems because I'd pointed out the problem that nobody on the phone line seemed to be able to fix, and they were like, there was something really deep in the programming, and we had to get to it, and it's taken us a couple of weeks, but thank you so much for pointing it out because we fixed it for loads of others. I was like, yes. I wrote to Costa had a really bad Costa experience, which is unusual because usually you get a good experience going in there. And they wrote back and they were like, yes, it was very poor and we're really sorry. And here's two free coffees. I was like, bonus. And um, so all those three things in the last few weeks, I have got unbelievably passionate about. They're things that I've got so wound up about that I'm not even going to just moan about them to Pamela I'm actually going to do something about it. And so I wrote a letter. And I just wonder, when it comes to the things of God, do we get that passionate? And I'm not sure that I do. I'm not sure that on an average day, I am so wound up about what's happening around me, that I get to that level of passion for Jesus. And so I give myself a bit of a slap. I wonder, middle of the night, when you're lying awake, what are you thinking about? There's a nice picture for this, apparently. Yep, there is. So you lie there. What's on your mind in the middle of the night? I don't think it's a Danish pastry, but maybe that's what she's dreaming about, is Danish pastries. She's thinking, in the morning, I could heat up one in the oven. Yeah, she does look a bit frowny, doesn't she? It's probably not Danish pastries then. So so my question really is, well, what does exercise you the most? What agitates you the most? In those quiet moments... When you're not being distracted by something else, what are you thinking about? Loads of them. They keep coming for me, the negative bits. Now, I said I'm not very good at getting passionate for Jesus. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 10. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or your daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But give up your life for me and you'll find it. Whoa. Jesus is passionate about this stuff. He's not half-hearted there, is he? He says, actually, this is the number one 
thing. My mission, we read it at the end of Matthew, don't we, about going out, seeing people saved, baptized, added into the church, praying for people, seeing people raised from the dead. That's what he's sending us to. But he's unbelievably passionate about it. That consumes him more than anything else. So I ask the question to you again. What is most important to you? I was reading Jonah this week and... um, so uh, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, it's quite a familiar story. And then I got to the end, and the last few verses of Jonah just really kind of, it's like a slap with a wet fish. God says to Jonah, is it right, do you remember the story, actually, just before I launch into it? He's, so he's, he's there in the sun, and God provides this lovely bush to grow up over him and keep him out of the sun. And, and he's like, oh, thank you, God. That's very nice of you. And then he wakes up the next morning and a worm has eaten the bush and the bush has withered away. And there he is in the broad sunshine. I don't know how hot it would have been um, in Nineveh, um, probably a bit more than the 38 that we're forecast this week. You know, this is proper desert land in the Middle East. It was probably 40, 50, 60 degrees even. It was going to be so hot. And, and the bush has died. And God says to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant has died? Yes, says Jonah, even angry enough to die. And he's probably thinking, I'm going to die here in the desert. And then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant. You did nothing to put it there. It came quickly, it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And as I read that, just my heart was like, but what about the Dales? Who reread that? But the Dales has more than 70,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Shouldn't I be worried for such a great place? That's God's heart. So come back to where I started. Why are you here this morning? As I was being challenged a few weeks ago, Um, which started all of this, the person said, as we gather, we sit and we get fat rather than fueling us for the fight. And actually, we come quite often on a Sunday morning and we sit there and we go, oh, that's lovely, oh, that's tasty. And we get fat on it. And there's nothing wrong with the getting fat on it. But actually, we don't use it as fuel to go out there and fight. We just enjoy sitting there and being nourished because it's nice. Jackie Pullinger said, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. And the trouble is that so many of us have hard hearts 
and soft feet. God's sending us out there. He wants us to make a massive difference. That's why he's put us here. We're not church in the hide in the corner. We're church in the peak. Because God's given us a mission to see the peak district, the Dales, saved. And not only that, to have an effect that goes out from there to the world. The Evangelical Alliance in 2019 did a poll and they were asking people, um, how um, kind of open are you to hearing the gospel? And the answer was one in six uh, people said, yes, we'd be open to hearing more about Jesus. They've just redone that at the end of lockdown. One in three people says they are receptive to hear the gospel, to hear the good news about Jesus. One in three. That's 25,000 people in the Dales. 25,000. That's more than double the population of Matlock want to hear about Jesus. That's huge. If we saw one in three people in the Dales saved, they'd be writing about us in a hundred years like they did the Welsh Revival. But that's how many people want to hear about Jesus. And that excites me when I hear that. And you know what? The leaders of the church, we can't do that. We don't know the people out there. We don't go to the places that you go. It's our mission. Our mission together. So, why do we gather here on a Sunday morning? Why are we here? We're here because actually God wants us to be out there. I'm going to finish. Um, God just spoke to me um, from this whilst we were in the prayer meeting this morning. Um, Isaiah chapter 6. You know Isaiah, he gets the calling from God and, and God really speaks to him. And uh, he has an encounter, doesn't he, with um, kind of the angels all around him. And uh, their voices shook the temple to its foundation. And the entire building was filled with smoke. And Isaiah says, it's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live amongst a people with filthy lips. And yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. You know, that's what it is when we come in on a Sunday morning. We come in and we encounter the Lord of the heaven's armies. That's where we come in. And we realize, yeah, we are sinful. But it goes on. One of the seraphim flew to Isaiah with a burning coal. He'd taken from the altar with a pair of tongues and he touched his lips with it and said, see this coal has touched your lips. Your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. And we're reminded of that, aren't we? When we come on Sunday mornings that actually God has done everything for us. He has atoned for our sin. What he did on the cross was once and for all final. And then... Isaiah says, I heard the Lord asking, who shall I send as a messenger to the people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, here I am, send me. And you know, that's the whole point about why we come on a Sunday morning. I'm going to go from the ancient to the modern. That was 
couple of thousand, well, 4,000 years ago, wasn't it, um, with Isaiah, something like that, maybe three, depends when you believe he was there, um, what the history books say. But this is modern. This is, this is from 2002. Uh, Matt Redman. He said, let worship be the fuel for mission's flame. We're going with a passion for your name. We're going for we care about your praise. Send us out. Let worship be the heart of mission's aim. To see the nations recognize your fame. Till every tribe and tongue voices your praise. Send us out. You should be the praise of every tongue, Jesus. You should be the joy of every heart. But until the fullness of your kingdom comes, until the final revelation dawns, send us out. And that is why we're here. Because actually, as we worship, as we focus on God, we get his heart, his heart for mission, his heart for the lost. And our response should be, send us out. Let's worship.